0: The Authentic Accountant is sponsored by Intuit. Intuit helps you leverage the latest technologies and works with you to create tomorrow's future innovations for your firm. Visit quickbooks.intuit.com. Welcome to the Authentic Accountant Podcast with Seth David and co-host Erica Ed. If you've ever wanted to know the real story behind the most successful business leaders in the world today, stay tuned. Every story doesn't have an instant success peaches and cream background. We'll ask the questions that need to be asked and get the true stories of success. Now, here is Seth David and Erica Ed.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Voice America podcast. My name is Seth David, and I'm here with my co-host.
2: Hey, guys. I'm Erica Ed. Happy to be with you.
1: And as always, we have an incredibly spectacularly
2: special guest. But first, Erica, you know what I did this morning? I'm going to take a wild guess here. Did you log into QuickBooks Online this morning? I can't
1: believe you nailed it on the first one. Oh, I bingo. Not only did I log into QuickBooks Online, but you know, I get emails from Intuit because I have a lot of friends there. And one of the emails I got this week talked about the new features that are rolling out or have rolled out in August of 2018. So check this out. If you're somebody, especially you know our e-commerce clients, if you're somebody who is concerned with managing inventory parts in QuickBooks Online. Uh-huh. One of the things that kind of slowed things down is as you're setting up the item and you're linking to an income account and a, and a cost goods sold account, if you needed to create a new account on the fly, you couldn't do it. You had to go back out to the chart of accounts, create the account, and then you could link it. Well, they've added that functionality now. So now you can add accounts on the fly. As somebody who serves a lot of e-commerce clients, I'm very, very excited about this because it's those little things that reduce friction that make things so much more efficient.
2: That is the best part about QuickBooks Online.
1: One of my favorite things is getting those new features that help us get more efficient about what we do.
2: That's right. um,
1: so with that, I want to bring on somebody who I've known for a number of years. We originally met uh, my first year speaking at the Sleater Conference. I think David had already been speaking there for quite a few years by then. Uh, and, and my first experience was this guy doing these talks called Inspector Gadget. And he's there dressed just like Inspector Gadget in the trench coat and the hat. And it really looked like Inspector Gadget from what I remembered from the cartoon (laughs) growing up. But here he is talking about the technology and the latest and greatest and what's coming out and what we need to know as business owners who are engaged in technology and the use of technology to help our businesses run more efficiently. David, welcome to the podcast. You've been tapped in. Tap is the Authentic Accountant Podcast. You're in. You're on the show. Thank you so much for being with us.
3: Thank you for the invite. Thank you for allowing me to be a part.
1: So just real quick, a little bit of background, David, if I may, Um, or why don't you tell us, since you're here, you're in the best position to tell us a little bit about, you know, just to start with who you are, what you do, who you do it for, and then we'll go into this segment.
3: Uh, sure enough. So, uh, again, Dave like I'm working with a company called RKL Solutions. They're actually headquartered back east out of Lancaster, PA. Uh, but my official title is EVP and Chief Cloud Officer. And yes, I actually made that up. Uh, nice. So, I, I just, uh, I'm passionate about helping our clients uh, adopt and migrate business process to the cloud. And so I said, how better to really make that clear than to just, uh, you know, essentially uh, give myself a, a title uh, that, that calls that right out. So that's uh, that's how I spend my day is working with small and medium business. A lot of times they're accountants, controllers, CFOs, and uh, really moving business process, most notably uh, ERP and accounting, but uh, a variety of processes out to cloud.
1: That's great. So, the CCO, the Chief Cloud Officer. I love yes, that. Yes, sir. Yes. I love that. And so, you're, and you're a frequent speaker for American Institute of Certified Public Accountants, California Society of Certified Public Accountants, right? And other state accounting societies. I'm kind of going off your LinkedIn profile here. I won't lie. Um, <laughs> but, and that's, like I said, that's how I met you is, uh, you know, speaking yep. as a speaker. Um, but before we go into all that, I want to talk about, you know, I want to go back. I want to take you back a little ways. You know, just to just a few months ago to when you were a kid. Right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And and what were your interests back then? I mean, did you know that this is what you're going to be doing when you grew up or, you know, what were you interested in?
3: You know, I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. That was that was clear since my early days uh, as a kid. I will tell you, ended up moving uh, all around, came up from a family of six kids. We were all uh, encouraged early on to uh, get out there, get uh, make yourself successful, uh, cut your own path in the world. And uh, I would tell you that I was always uh, very interested, didn't know what I wanted to do, but always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So that that much I did know. Uh, but, but by virtue of, you know, moving all around, I was born in upstate New York, lived in New York, Maryland, Dallas. Uh, LA, which is uh, where I'm uh, ne- where where I am now, uh, had an opportunity to kind of, of just always be in this process of meeting new people, having conversations, uh, just having to engage uh, really to to be uh, connected to the to the environment around myself. Uh, but I will tell you, when I was young, you know, uh, I actually was asked a, a week or two ago, uh, maybe you know, who was my hero, one of my heroes growing up, and and I said Thomas Edison. and thinking about uh, just, you know, so often... Uh, you know he was just always passionate about that smarter better way and you know and, and granted he did uh, you know invent or help invent a number of you know products that have changed the way all of us live today uh, many times he saw an idea and said I think I can do that better or I think I can fix where that's broken or or make that something that's scalable so I was always a big fan of, you know, those entrepreneurial elements, and whether it was, uh, you know, Henry Ford, Thomas Edison, you know, you name it, uh, they they just always inspired me. I said, that's what I want to do. And I used to literally sit in my room, I'd I'd made a little, uh, you know, kind of workbench in my closet. And I said, I want to be an inventor. And I (laughs) wanted to be an inventor, but I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I just I've never lost that spirit. It's always something that's uh, really uh, stuck with me. And that's kind of the underlying passion that comes out, uh, even when I speak now.
1: And did you do anything entrepreneurial as a kid? I mean, as a kid, I remember, and I've shared this story a lot because I think it's kind of funny, um, and I got this from my brother. You know, remember the Bazooka Bubblegum? I'm sure they still have it today, and they would have the comics in them, and there would be a fortune. So my brother figured out that we could go to, like, the local comic book store or whatever and buy, like, a box of those, and then bring them to school and sell them for, like, a nickel apiece, and we would make a little money on it. And so he started it. Actually, I have to give credit where it's due. But then I, you know, caught on and I started doing it. And then we got in trouble, and they told us we couldn't sell <laughs> bubble gum in school anymore. But that was my first entrepreneurial venture
4: when I was probably. 10 or 11 years old. Did you do anything like that? You know, I did do
3: something like that, although it wasn't selling candy at school that, that somebody else had uh, several other students had uh, beat me to that market. And so that was already cornered. Uh, I did something uh, with a little bit more of a twist to it. Uh, I remember as a kid, again, loving uh, to, to work with my hands and electronics and, you know, kind of break things down, put them back together, figure out how things worked uh, as a kid. Uh, in elementary school I went around and knocked on neighbors doors and asked them if they had any broken appliances and I'm sure and I'm certain that you know a lot of the you know the residents thought oh how cute this little you know this little boy oh he wants you know he wants to take my broken appliances and and so I said okay that's great I said let me see if I can fix it and I'd go home and I'd break the whole thing apart and I'd figure out what was wrong with it and then I'd bring it back fixed and I can't tell you the number of just shocked, you know, <laughs> uh, individuals just going, uh, you know, just kind of dumbfounded going, I don't know what to say. I gave it to you thinking, you know, how cute, but you actually fixed it. And so, yeah, that was kind of the start. I, and, I, and they said, well, how much do I owe you? I said, oh, nothing. I said, I'm just happy to fix things. And I went Absolutely. around the neighborhood oh, and did God. a lot of that.
2: That is so funny.
1: That's hilarious. I wonder how much money you could have made if people actually paid you for that. Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) But that's great. That's, you know, Maybe, maybe that's what I should start doing is knocking on people's doors and like helping them learn how to use their mobile phones better, right?
3: I, I, well, the little kids may have that market wrapped up on you, too. I'm just they saying that uh, you know, that's what they say. Always ask a little kid how to work the latest uh, cell phone yeah, technology. And the, and
1: the little kid is more likely to win their trust. If they get me knocking on the door like that, it's probably going to be creepy. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we, we'll, we'll hear about you on the evening news. I'm just saying. So. Exactly. exactly.
4: <laughs> creepy man from Burbank, California, knocking on people's doors. That's yeah. the headline. Um All right. So, so
1: fixing appliances, have you, let me ask you, since you brought it up um, it's getting a little ahead, but why not? Um, So have you invented anything in your life yet?
3: Uh, no, I I don't know that I've invented anything. I, I was, was always the hobbyist. Uh, my dad was an electrical engineer by background. He would bring stuff home from work, uh, you know, things for me to, uh, uh, again, you know, kind of experiment with. I was into, I don't know if you remember Heath Electronics when we were kids. You were able to kind of build things from a kit. Yes. Uh, always you loved like your own little radio. Like exactly. radio. I had yes. one of those. You know? Yes. <laughs> and that taught me a lot of those fundamentals. And I think that set the stage for saying, look look, I could do this with computers. And so I was never bashful when the first PC came out and taking the cover off and going, well, how does this thing work? And so not as much, uh, you know, true invention, uh, but always, you know, kind of every time I'd pop up in the hood of anything. And actually I was, I was fixing cars before I drove. I was, you know, doing electronics. And uh, like I said, at a very young age, um, it, it was just always, like I said, a passion of mine, whether it was electrical or mechanical. Uh, just to, to get under the hood, understand, and be able to never let that get the best of me.
1: Right, right. Well, and you don't live that far from me. And now I know who to go to if I have car trouble. I'll, right. I'll you can bring,
3: bring it on over. I'll give you the name of a good mechanic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So we had an interest in fixing things. You like to pull things apart, put them back together. You know, in many respects, I think accounting is like that. Mm -hmm. Honestly, you know, like people come to us, they have kind of a mess on their hands and we have to pull it apart and put it back together again. That's one of the things I love about accounting. When I was interviewing out of college for jobs at big CPA firms, I remember they would ask me, why do you want to be an accountant? And that was my answer. I said, you know, I like to organize things. I like to take things apart and put them back together and make sure they're put back together better than they were before, you know. Mm -hmm. And that was a bit of a rehearsed answer, which I figured they would like to hear, but it was also true. You know, it was also what I like to do. So, all right, so we're fixing things along the way. By the time we got to college, what did you study? What were you interested in by then?
3: Uh, so by then, I was, uh, I, I, of course, you know, famously wanted to wait till the very last minute before I made any decision I'd have to live with. Uh, so I went to UCLA. I was an econ uh, major, and I remember, you know, finally getting that, uh, you know, that notice from the school saying, hey, you know, we notice your major is undeclared. You can't actually graduate like that. (laughs) So they call you in, they say, they sit you down, they say, what do you want to do? And I said, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I think I'm gonna go ahead and do econ, and so finished out the last two years, really focused on that. But since there was no accounting degree at the time, uh, I, you know, but I, I, I knew that I wanted to, you know, kind of uh, really just work with numbers. Uh, I kind of took all the accounting classes I could, and at the same time, I was doing econ. So, if they, in fact, had that as a major, I would have been a double major, uh, but I was econ as my stated major. But really, accounting was something pretty, uh, you know, took a pretty uh, instant uh, liking and aptitude to. Uh, Once I decided I wanted to do it, and uh, from there, uh, you know, uh, it's been a a great journey.
1: So it's interesting. You're now the second person we've talked to who became an accountant but was an economics major, and he said that it helped him stand out because all the interviewers were looking at resumes with people who are accounting majors, and then they see you come in the door, and it says economics, and it's like, whoa, okay, that stands out. That's different, right?
3: Yeah. So I, I actually, um, you know, in college, I, I ended up working at the student store. I, I had to put myself through school. I'm, my, our, coming from, as I said, a family of six kids, my parents said, look, we'll put you through high school. You guys are on your own from there. Every one of us put ourselves through college and or advanced degrees. So oh, out of all wow. six kids, every one of us. Um, I was the black sheep. I only just got my BA. Uh, so, but from there, uh, like I said, I, I, I had to work for school. So I ended up doing... Uh, working in the student store, working uh, other jobs. I worked anywhere between 20, 30, sometimes 40 hours a week just to, to uh, get myself all the way through school. And uh, you know, by the time I was ready to graduate, the Big Eight at the time came on campus, did their interviews. Uh, I got offers from seven of the Big Eight. And they said, look, you've obviously had to uh, make your way. Uh, that's, uh, nothing's been gifted to you. You're the type of individual we think, uh, could, could, uh, you know, help us uh, further what we're doing.
1: Yeah. No, the, I remember when I was interviewing at that stage, they really look for that. They look mm-hmm. for people. I remember being told you got to get involved in all the extracurricular activities. You got to join the accounting society and show that you're not just taking classes and getting good grades, but that you're a more well-rounded person. I remember that being important in the accounting industry. I'm sure it is in a lot of industries. So are you a CPA?
3: I am a CPA, still okay. still current, still active, and, uh, you know, have been very active uh, in the CPA profession. I was
1: going to say, it'd be hard-pressed to believe you weren't a
4: CPA with all the CPA-related organizations <laughs> that you've worked with yeah. and spoken for. <laughs> Not just doing that for uh, entertainment. Nope.
2: Right. <laughs> <laughs>
4: A certified public entertainer—that would be a CPE, right? I like it. I like it. Go for CPE credit.
2: (laughs) There you go.
1: So, because yeah, just I'm looking at you know the the notes we have on your background and past chair of the AICPA IT Executive Committee. Yes, sir. So, it's interesting. It's fascinating what you've done. So, I want to talk more about that. We're going to take a short break in a couple of minutes, but before we do, and real quick, so. Um, so, by the time you were in college, was it certain you wanted to be a CPA? I know you said you were an economics major, but also a concentration in accounting, and if you could have double majored, you would have. But what were you thinking at that time was what your career was going to look like, or did you not even know?
3: I really looked at the CPA profession almost as a continuation of my education. So, I thought, yes, I did want to become a CPA. I thought it would be good exposure, not just to the, the, the craft of accounting, uh, but you know, working for one of the, the, the big eight, uh, it would allow me to go out and work at a variety of different companies because, no, the answer is I didn't know where I wanted to work. I didn't know where I wanted to settle in, but I knew I wanted to know more, learn more. and I looked at the CPA profession as a great jumping off point or a way to continue that process.
1: Yep, that's exactly, essentially exactly why my father guided me to choose accounting as my degree over other choices. I'd been coming from Wall Street going back to school, mm-hmm. and it was like finance or accounting. And my dad said, look, if you get an accounting degree, you'll always be able to find work. That was essentially the decision and why we made that particular decision. Um, so that makes sense to me. Um, And then when we come back from our break, we'll talk a little bit. We'll fast forward for a minute to, you know, like where I met you at the Slater Conference. And then I want to talk about how you got from, you know, starting your early career to that point, you know, where by the time I met you, I saw you as a guy who is clearly very well established, very successful in what you're doing, been doing it for a long time, really good at it. And then I want to talk about the, uh, you know, the struggles that you encountered along the way and how you overcame and got through them. So we'll talk about that when we come back from the short break.
0: Intuit QuickBooks is dedicated to powering prosperity around the globe for accountants, small businesses, consumers, and the self-employed. With products and services like QuickBooks Online Accountant and the QuickBooks Pro Advisor Program, accounting professionals can save time, grow their practice, and act as strategic advisors to their small business clients. By working together as partners, Intuit can help you leverage the latest technologies and work with you to create tomorrow's future innovations. Go to QuickBooks.com books.intuit.com to find out more. Nerd Enterprises Incorporated is a numbers agency. We offer a wide range of services from bookkeeping to financial modeling and cash flow projections. Our consulting services enable you to do what you do best by giving us the accounting and back office tasks that we do best. Nerd Enterprises Inc. is one of the worldwide leaders in QuickBooks, Microsoft Excel, and other productivity-based training. If it's one-to-one or one-to-many, we log in with you so you can share your screen and we get you through it. Plus, all sessions are recorded so you can review those recordings anytime you like afterwards. For more information, visit nerdenterprises.com. You are listening to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. To find out more, email Seth at nerdenterprises.com. That's Seth at nerdenterprises.com. Now, back to the Authentic Accountant Podcast.
1: Welcome back, everybody. who are on the Authentic Accountant Podcast. I'm still here. Erica is still my co-host. I'm still here, too. And David actually has managed to stay with he's still here too. You haven't yeah. lost me yet. Haven't lef- hasn't left us yet. and what we established during the break was that uh, uh, wait, David, are you a Pittsburgh Steelers
3: fan?: No, I'm not. I'm, I, I was like you, I was pretty agnostic uh, growing up from upstate New York. We didn't have a pro team either, and so I was a free agent. Gotcha.
1: Yeah, I just I went based on like uniform colors or you know who people were cheering
4: for at the time.
2: The, the cutest quarterback I know. <laughs>
4: exactly (laughs) wasn't on my list (laughs) (laughs) well you, you ever seen the breakfast club
1: movie Oh, yeah, of course, there was a scene in there where they're talking about they're making fun of each other, of course. And uh, the one guy says to the other, it was a reference to being on the football team saying, oh, yeah, I have a deep admiration for guys who like to roll around the floor with other guys in tights. No, that was a wrestling reference. Sorry, it wasn't football. Never mind. See, I
2: get all- <laughs> You don't even know your sports. I really where, don't. Where are we here? we <laughs> oh. are
1: all the same wrestling football, same thing. Um, anyway, so David, by the time I met you, okay, shifting gears back to the chart, sure. and Let's pull this in.
2: Something you know a little about here, okay? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know what? That'll be a new episode on another day. Um, we'll talk about my take on sports, which is zero. Um, so, David, I met you at the Sleater Conference, like I mentioned earlier, um, and by then, you know, well-established, already doing your thing, wearing the trench coat and the hat and doing your, your alter ego, as it says in your LinkedIn profile, you know, being Inspector Gadget. Um,
2: David, you- I have a, actually, I don't mean to interrupt, but I have a very important question here. Okay. Yes. With, with your sort of mechanical background and being Inspector Gadget, did you ever create Go Go Gadget arms?
3: I did not do the arms, oh. but, I, but I do have to tell you the story here because the actual uh, trench coat that I wear when I do the presentation is from the movie. Oh, nice! So yeah, so we have uh, you know a number of friends in the entertainment industry, and one year as a white elephant gift, uh, you know they kind of pulled together all sorts of stuff, uh, you know uh, promotional stuff from from different movies, and Inspector Gadget was one of the movies. I won the jacket, and I thought, huh. I might need to do something with this, and that's the part, and, I, and, and no and small part an idea was. Idea
2: is born. You got it. The idea was born. Love that's it.
4: Awesome. That's awesome. I remember. I remember that you used to be able to like. Uh,
1: what was it? Hard Rock Cafe used to have a lot of those kinds of original things from movie sets that
3: people. Yeah. Get. Yeah. So so that's there's, it. There's some warehouses. The
2: yeah, there's some warehouses out here where you can buy a bunch of stuff that from different sets of movies and TV shows and stuff. But,
3: but I do need to tell you that this one, as I said, is kind of an, an original. It wasn't actually used in the movie, but it was sold, you know, as a, as, as a prop, uh, yeah. you know, afterward. Uh, but can I tell you, it's a lined jacket, and it is enormously warm to oh, wear yeah. that thing, so it's not uncommon when I'm wearing that thing, going, "Oh my word, I'm just dying <laughs> up here!" It just—it's it's ready to sweat me out. Although sometimes they keep those conference meeting rooms
1: really cold. I True, think they do that to keep people awake. That's what I understand, anyway.
3: Yeah, but then, but I got to tell you, I pretty much only wear the jacket when I'm doing the presentation. Otherwise, you get more unapproving stares than not. You know, kind of, kind of, mommy grabbing their little boys and girls. Honey, honey, look away. Come right this way. Don't look at that man. That's not something you wear socially.
2: You're not. You're not wearing that on the subway over the conference. Uh,
3: no, no, ma'am.
2: <laughs> so. I mean, obviously there
1: was a journey that took place from, you know, getting into and then out of college and, you know, starting out. So you started, did you start out at a big CPA firm? Where did you start?
3: Started Pricewaterhouse, okay. uh, worked there for several years, made senior, uh, went to go work in private industry, uh, actually approached uh, another one of the, the gentlemen I'd worked at PW with. And uh, we started uh, you know our own firm then uh, after I'd worked in private for several years. So be- before I even hit 30 years old, we had started uh, our own firm and just started literally from a standing stop, didn't have a full roster of clients or anything. Uh, and this uh, again was right when the PC was just coming out. Lotus One Two Three had just, you know, kind of hit the market, and I said, "You know what? I think there's something to this." And I, uh, one of the only accounting programs at the time was a product called DAC Easy, and that's uh, that's what I started with was, uh, you know, the DAC Easy accounting program. I, that's how I met my wife, by the way. Uh, I was uh, teaching at a local college. Uh, through their extension program. And she was one of my first students and she would sit in the back of the classroom. She'd laugh at my jokes and I'm going, look, anyone who can laugh at this, I at least (laughs) need to go have a cup of coffee with this woman. Uh, She and I just celebrated 30 years this weekend.
2: Wow. Congratulations.
1: Congratulations. That's awesome. So along the way, so we got from there to speaking. Yeah. Tell me about that. How did we get into the whole speaking circuit?
3: My thought was is that, you know, I enjoyed, you know, kind of teaching people uh, about technology. It was always, uh, you know, with the PC and so forth. Again, I was the guy often with the nod when I was working in private industry, uh, and even at uh, PW, I was the one doing the acoustic coupler, doing the FAS-13 computations and hooking up to the mainframe and doing all of that. Uh, But, you know, at, at each step along the way, uh, I was often responsible for learning something, then turning around and having to teach somebody, you know, what it is I had just figured out, and it's something I really just. Kind of fell in love with, and so uh, I'll never forget uh, John Dunlevy, who was the executive director for the California CPA Education Foundation. They had an annual conference in in LA, and uh, I, you know I had already kind of uh, you know dabbled a bit in speaking for the Westside Technology User Group, a local user group of CPA practitioners uh, here in Southern California, and uh, we were attending uh, the conference, and somebody called in sick and said, you know, so-and-so is supposed to present on such-and-such topic uh, tomorrow at uh, 8.30 in the morning. Can you do it? And I'm going, holy smokes. So it was pretty much a baptism by fire, uh, <laughs> and I stood up and did a, like a 90-minute presentation on something I had absolutely zero prep time on. Uh, but really, um, it was something I, I thought I could do this. This is a lot of fun, uh, and I really not only enjoyed uh, public speaking. They always say that what are the things that scare people the most? Uh, taxes, public speaking, and I think death. Uh, mm-hmm. Those are the three. Um, but I actually really loved it uh, and really just um, found it was something that uh, I, I, you know, again, early on had a passion for. And so then I thought, I, I, I could do this. Let me kind of keep trying to understand the latest technology and in turn teach people. So I was doing it in the form of consulting within our practice and teaching people about accounting software. And I was also doing it then as a way to raise awareness that this is what we do and this is what I'm passionate about doing. And so I would always be that person. Nice. I would always tell people I'm on the bleeding edge so you can be on the leading edge. And that was always my pitch.
1: That's great. That's great. And by the way, so you gave me an idea. I want to give a tip for people listening. Um, If speaking is something that you aspire to do, or maybe you're starting to do it already always have one or two or three maybe presentations in the can, even though you've not been hired or asked to do it specifically, just have it ready. Have it ready because yours is not the first story, David, that I've heard of somebody being asked to just fill in at the last minute. And I I saw it happen recently at the Los Angeles Accounting and Finance show, right? I saw you there um, and somebody didn't show, a speaker didn't show. And they asked my friend, Lauren Fogelman, to just jump in and she was ready because she she already is a speaker. But that's the Mm -hmm. point, if you aspire to speak, then have something ready sort of in the can, so to speak, so that when that opportunity arises, you're prepared, right? Because they say luck is when opportunity meets preparedness, yep. something like that, yep. right? Mm-hmm. I get that right? Yep. So anyway, that, so that's, that's great, that's fascinating. And um, along the way, so especially having started <clears throat> a firm so young, and it sounds like without maybe having gotten a whole lot of experience, right? You kind of went out on your own with one of your buddies from PW? Um, and didn't really have any clients to start with. I have to imagine that somewhere in there, there are some serious struggles.
3: Yeah, I, I think I learned early on that this was going to be the hardest I would ever work for minimum wage. Um, <laughs> and uh, so it, and it's so funny because, uh, as I mentioned, I met my wife uh, early on, too. Uh, and she was a, a student in this class I was teaching. And, and she's an accountant by background as well. And it was so stressful for me to pay bills in those early days because I was living on credit cards, working at my kitchen table in my apartment and just thinking, where are the dollars going to come from? A lot of people, you know, when they start a firm, take a book of business with them and all sorts of established relationships. We literally started from a standing stop and it was, I don't recommend it. Uh, It was uh, seriously, uh, uh, it was a heavy lift. That's for sure. But uh, I I, I still joke about the fact that when my wife and I finally – uh, you know, got engaged. Um, she said, "Look, uh, you know, we just got to, you know, make sure we can clean up your finances." And I said, "Wait a minute, you know, your assets, my liabilities. I think we're the perfect balance sheet. <laughs> Come on, baby." Uh, so uh, to this to this day, I'm the spender in the relationship, and she she constantly reminds me uh, of that. Um, but no, it's uh, I, it, the early days were, uh, you know, many times uh, were were dicey, and they were dicey, you know, uh, financial financially, uh, because yeah, like I said, we didn't have any clients that we, a book of business we were bringing over. So we find ourselves, uh, you know, having to skip paychecks, uh, you know, more than once, uh, more than, you know, once, maybe twice in a row. And it'll start to put some, some serious uh, shock and awe into your life. Um, when the dollars, uh, you know, uh, when that tap is cut off and you just don't have another place, uh, to find those funds. So there was a few, uh, touch and go moments, uh, but we survived them. And it definitely made you a lot wiser, a lot, uh, you know, a lot more astute uh, very early on. And, um, you know, but but we've, we've, you know, we we kind of then brought that into, as the firm started to grow, we hired people. We were able to kind of, you know, keep that mindset, keep that mentality. We've never as a firm had to skip anything. Uh, And if we said if anyone had to kind of take a haircut, it would always be It would always be the partners. And thankfully, uh, once we got past some of those first initial years, uh, never really had a whole lot of other, you know, kind of near-death experiences. Thank goodness.
1: Right, right. And, you know, it's interesting. You brought up like skipping paychecks. And I've seen my share of clients being an accountant who works with businesses where the owner will just not take a paycheck. Um, I Just based on my experience, I'm wondering what you think about this, David. I've started to advise those clients, not started for a long time now, I've advised those clients that it's wrong to not take a paycheck. That's a really bad idea. And I've told them the reason is because you're really not getting a picture of what it takes, what it costs to run the business. And that if anything, they should take a paycheck, even if it's a smaller one than they might be inclined to normally. But so that you have that picture there of what it's really costing, and then you cut costs somewhere else. Would you
3: agree with that? or? Yeah, Seth, I 100% agree with that. I, I think you don't get a fair uh, picture of the business without, uh, you know, without the, the senior, without the executives being being paid as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now I, you, you mentioned that, you know, uh, the lean times created stress. How, how did you deal with it? How did you get through with it? What were
3: your sort of coping skills? uh I, I really do credit my spouse quite a bit uh, from talking me off the ledge keeping me from from you know getting me uh, getting too far a, a ahead of ourselves um, So I, I think you know some of it is just um, and actually I got good counsel from my, my dad years and years and years ago. I remember when you know I had a particularly stressful client situation and potentially an, a, a, a you know a receivable that might not get paid or maybe even get let go from a job. And, you know, he kept prompting me. And so what's the worst that could happen? What's the worst that could happen? What's, you know, okay, you've shared all of that. And then what? Okay. Mm-hmm. Is there something worse than that? And, you know, kept kind of pressing. So what's the worst that could happen? And by the time you're done going, I guess it's not that bad. I guess we'll survive. I'm not going to be eating beans and weenies. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll at least, uh, we'll, we'll make it. Um but it but it definitely motivates you uh, it, it it grows you for sure and I think there's a lot of uh, you know it creates a lot of uh, generates a lot of wisdom uh, mm-hmm. when you when you yeah. have to, to kind of travel through those, those those storms and have to have to weather those.
2: I think that's a good exercise that your dad gave you in, in sort of playing that tape out because I think that we have a tendency to go like immediate doom and gloom that Missing this or losing that job or whatever it's going to be uh, is devastation. It's total devastation. It's 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 going to end in, in massive pains and, you know, yeah. inevitably death, like a horrible death. Death and carnage, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's just like burning inferno, scorched earth. We're never coming back from
4: this. You don't story. understand. <laughs> exactly.
2: But the reality is when we really sit down and do that exercise and we play that tape out and we and we continue to ask, what's the worst that's going to happen? I mean, I know for myself, every single time. It's never that bad no you know and even if it is the worst and even if it's a little worse than you think it is I'm it's still not that bad
3: but you know? exactly and, and so you think about that and say you know what uh, I, I think all of us have had conversations with with mentors uh, you know in, in our in our through the years and I think sometimes when you get that kind of counsel that that, that tape kind of plays back in your head. And uh, I, I will tell you, I've had to push replay that on more than one occasion to just remind myself, even as bad as it could ever be, how bad could it be? And, and it, yeah. has, it has never been death and carnage. Thank you. Yeah. you know, one of my, I love the
1: show House M.D. with Hugh Laurie. And one of my favorite lines ever from one of the episodes was where he said, hey, you know, it's only life. It's not like any of us are getting out of it alive
4: anyway. Right. <laughs> <laughs> life is fatal.
2: Yeah. Yep. Good stuff. Um, well, we have to take a quick break here. Um, so when we come back, David, we're going to talk to you a little more about what's going on today, uh, what kind of things you're involved in, what your what your life looks like now. Um, and yeah, we'll be back after a short break.
0: Intuit QuickBooks is dedicated to powering prosperity around the globe for accountants, small businesses, consumers, and the self-employed. With products and services like QuickBooks Online Accountant and the QuickBooks Pro Advisor Program, accounting professionals can save time, grow their practice, and act as strategic advisors to their small business clients. By working together as partners, Intuit can help you leverage the latest technologies and work with you to create tomorrow's future innovations. Go to QuickBooks .intuit.com to find out more. Nerd Enterprises Incorporated is a numbers agency. We offer a wide range of services from bookkeeping to financial modeling and cash flow projections. Our consulting services enable you to do what you do best by giving us the accounting and back office tasks that we do best. Nerd Enterprises Inc. is one of the worldwide leaders in QuickBooks, Microsoft Excel and other productivity-based training. If it's one-to-one or one-to-many, we log in with you so you can share your screen and we get you through it. Plus, all sessions are recorded, so you can review those recordings anytime you like afterwards. For more information, visit nerdenterprises.com. You are listening to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. To find out more, email seth at nerdenterprises.com. That's seth at nerdenterprises.com. Now, back to the Authentic Accountant Podcast.
2: everybody. Welcome back to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. I'm still Erica Ed here with my co-host, Seth David. And we are still talking here with David, and we're about to get into a little more about what his life looks like today, what he's got in the hopper. Uh, but first, Seth... What do you say we thank our sponsors? I think that's an
1: excellent idea. Let's, let's do that. Let's thank our sponsors. Right Networks. Right Networks helps accounting professionals like you securely transition your accounting-based desktop applications into the cloud, regardless of which version you're using. As a partner you can trust, we take away the burden of IT so that you have more time to focus on your business. Moving your desktop and legacy applications to the cloud makes keeping close track of your finances and operations so much easier. Work from anywhere, anytime, and enjoy the added security of keeping your financial files backed up. To learn more, give Right Networks a call at 888-210-0237. For a special 10% off discount, make sure to mention Authentic Accountant before December 31st, 2018. And we're back
4: with David. David, welcome back. Thank you. It's been so long. (laughs) <laughs> Yet it feels like just moments. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Time
2: flies when you're having fun.
4: <laughs> yes. So I love the application we talked about.
1: I love you know what you said uh, near the end of the last segment about. You know, just asking yourself, what's the worst that could happen? How bad can it really be? Am I going to wind up homeless? You know, mm-hmm. I suppose mm-hmm. that's maybe the worst that could happen short of death itself. But the reality is, and we talked about this earlier, I think one of the reasons for getting an accounting degree, we've agreed, is because you should normally, probably won't have trouble finding work. Worst that happens is you have to close the doors on your business and go get a job. But the beauty of it is with an accounting degree, you can you, sh- you won't have too much trouble getting
4: a job.
3: Incredibly you know? versatile. Yep.
1: Yep. And like you said, there's a lot you can do with an accounting degree. One of the reasons I wanted to do accounting uh, specifically was I I knew I wanted to be in some kind of business. I didn't know exactly what. And I figured being in the accounting would get me sort of backdoor exposure to lots of different businesses so that eventually I could figure it out. Right. Yes. That was kind of, um, you know, that was kind of what I, you know, why I chose this profession that I chose. I knew I wasn't really an accounting type. I was more of a creative type. But now I get to be creative with accounting. No, I'm kidding. Sort of. Um, <laughs> no, but make, doing the stuff I do, making videos, training people, you know, what we do at Nerd Enterprises, which, of course, leads to a lot of consulting business, has been uh, in, incredibly enriching for me. So, but enough about me. Let's talk about you, David. What do you think about me? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, again, today, I you know, I can look at your uh, – You know, your description on LinkedIn, and it's very impressive, you know, the different uh, organizations that you've worked with, the different positions that you've had, and the speaking that you've done, the way I met you. First of all, how did you get there? I mean, you started talking about your love for teaching, But how did you get in? You got invited because somebody, you know, quit or canceled or whatever, you know, somebody couldn't show up. And so you got invited in. Was that really the, was that what launched you into that? Was it not something you thought you were going to do or that was like your break? You know, how did it really happen?
3: You know, I I actively sought out, you know, opportunities. Once I realized this was something that I could do and I was actually reasonably decent at, I started seeking out opportunities to potentially, um, you know, talk to, to different business groups and thinking that's how we're gonna grow with the company. That's how we're gonna grow our business. Um, and interestingly enough, I uh, one of my first presentations I did, Chris Fredrickson, uh, you know, was huh. in the room. And uh, so at the time he had a, a course that he taught and actually took his course called Building a Million Dollar Practice. And I said, ah, this is awesome stuff. Uh, just, I was just eating that up and I thought this was great. And then I would hear him speak and I thought he's just so good and so, so comfortable and fluid. And I thought, you know, I just, I wanna keep getting better at this because i again i think uh, you know, if you're able to tell your own story, if you're able to really uh, engage with folks, uh, it really you know kind of drops the walls, drops the barriers, and you can really engage in a kind of a back and forth, uh, not just conversation, but create relationship. And and you know, being in the consulting business, you realize it's not just solving a technical problem or addressing you know you know technical questions; it is about the relationship. And so you have to have you know that ability to engage. Uh, and, and listen and understand, you know, before you just start, you know, just saying, well, here's all the things I know technically and all the ways I could, you know, tell you how to fix things. Uh, so really, it's as much about relationship. Uh, and so we're blessed because I would tell you over the years that I've been in business almost 30 years now, uh, since we, we, we started this, um, some of our very first clients are still with us. And that speaks to relationship. And I do think yeah. that is a key part of what each and every one of us do. And I don't care if you're an entrepreneur or work in a very large organization. We each have to, to really, you know, to interact with the people around us. We sell ourselves, in effect, within our own jobs every single day. Uh, in those relationships, they are important.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love that. You know, there's a sect of marketing that talks about relationship marketing, Right. Uh, during the break, we talked about John Ferrara, CEO of Nimble. He was one of our former guests here. He's big on that, right? Mm-hmm. He's big on, that. and that's 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 the world we live in today, yes. right? I mean, you were doing this, like you said, already years ago. You know, before it was a thing, but clearly you were onto something, right? You know that, and I love I love what you said that that's speaking. It's it's funny because I know a lot of people in our industry who are out there building careers based on speaking alone. I don't know that I would ever want to do it that way. I would always think of speaking and educating as like you said, a way to bring in business for a consulting concern, right? Or training. I love training. I love teaching people. I like like you David. I love seeing the light come on mm-hmm. in people's eyes when you're explaining something to them and suddenly they just Get it. Something they were having trouble wrapping their head around. And one little thing you say, you never know what that thing is going to be, right? Brings joy to my heart. Yep. But one little thing you say, all of a sudden, you literally can see the light come on in their eyes. And like, oh, I get it. I get it. Now I get
3: it. Yeah, That's you were able world. to. Yeah, you were able to explain something to me like no one else could. Or you know, when you show me that, uh, or you know, as you stepped me through that, you know, five other people have tried, no one succeeded. I, you know, I watch what you did. I understand it, and now I think it's actually pretty, pretty easy. And I'm going great. My work, you know, mic drop. Work here's done. Right. Yeah. So,
2: I think the key to that success for you, though, is having that relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's being mm-hmm. able to listen to that that client or that student and say, okay, I understand what you are trying to do, what you're looking for, and here's how I can help, you know, whereas I think a lot of teachers and people in that profession sort of this, it, it becomes, I don't know, less about a relationship and more about like, I know how to do this. Let me show you how it's done.
3: Yeah. Well, and I, th- I think too yeah, well, often... Yeah, and I think too often, uh, you know, even salespeople, but your technicians, absolutely, they're just so ready to just start, you know, showing up and throwing up, you know, sharing whatever it is they know. Yeah. Uh, really, just you know, kind of um, you know, almost ready to overwhelm right off the blocks, and you know, but that's just so 180 degrees around yeah. from how it needs to work. You have to start with listening. Yeah, because you'll never understand if you don't listen and you'll never have an opportunity to really connect and you know, figure out whether or not you have an opportunity to, to work together. Yeah. It has to start with listening.
1: Right. You know, I in Nerd that. Enterprises, we have a, a, a mentoring program called 97 and Up Accounting Business Academy, where I work with other accountants and bookkeepers. And one of my favorite conversations that we get into pretty regularly is around that very thing where I say to people, you know, cause a lot of people tell me how they have these detailed questionnaires that they seem to throw at their prospective clients and they have their clients just going through a form and filling out and, you know, so they can read it later. And I'm like, F that, you know, just ask them one simple question. It's not even a question. It's more of a statement. And here's how I start off every one of those conversations with a client. I just say, Tell me what's going on in your business. And the way, the way I explain the next step from there is I take the cotton out of my ears and I put it in my mouth and I start taking notes while they talk. Well yep. put. Well put. I love that because it really paints the picture. And when it's done the other way around, when people throw a questionnaire at people, it tells me that they think they know better what the client needs than the client does. Agreed. And then they, and then they overlook too much because there's things that the client needs that they overlook because they don't give themselves the chance to listen. So I love that.
3: Well, and the other way I like to describe it is if you if you lead the conversation, if you start the conversation by um, you know either presupposing you have the answer to the question, or just start you know showing up and like I said, you know sharing all of the details, all the facts that you know. You know you've kind of you know turned the you know the opportunity inside out because at that point the prospect is listening to you going, yeah, don't need any of that, thanks, but no. And so you've almost killed any opportunity, even though real opportunity could exist, you really kind of put them in a place of saying, I heard what you said, none of that's relevant to what I'm really need right now. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, gosh, if I'd known, I actually do that too, or I would have been happy to address that. But you got to start with the cotton in your mouth, as you said, uh, rather than, you know, than in your ears.
1: Yeah, I mean, in the best case there, you're going to have somebody sitting there going, wow, he really sounds like he knows what he's talking about, but I'm not sure how he's going to be able to help me. Yeah,
3: thanks, but yeah. I, don't, I don't need that. Yeah.
1: So, tell me about, I mean, because let's assume that not everybody listening has seen your Inspector Gadget presentation, so give us a little bit of a description, explanation what that's really all about.
3: Sure. So every single year, I actually start from a blank slide deck, honest and true. I start over every single year. And yes, I've already started on the 2019 deck. I was working on it just this morning. Uh, but I, I always, and the reason I start fresh, by the way, is because I always want to get a, a fresh take at what's going on in technology. And all the while I'm looking at, you know, everything that I'm reading, seeing, the discussions that I'm having, the conferences that I'm attending, and I'm going, what here that I'm, I'm kind of looking, hearing, uh, you know processing would help us work smarter better, and that 's really kind of how it finds a home in the inspector gadget presentation. So I talk about uh, this year I, I started with emerging technologies, thinking about you know new things that to, to come, how that 's showing up maybe in products that we can buy today uh, and then finish with gadgets and gizmos and I always even you know do a fun little section at the end of the last few years i 've called it hashtag fail. Things that we hope to never see, version two o, version two o of, and it's 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 just they're they're classic, just brain you know anomalies. Right, so now I
1: need to hear a couple of examples of that without tipping your hand about 2019. Give us the 2018
3: ones. Uh, yeah, so a few of them. on there was uh, something called Fold-A-Made it actually folds your laundry for you. I've seen uh, that on Facebook lately. Yes, so yes. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> well, you're right. And the amount of money you'd spend for this thing to fold uh, a dozen shirts, you're just going holy moly. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, and so it, it's it's been a variety of products over time. The you know the you know the the suitcases that follow you in the airport. The uh, uh, we ha- had you know this year uh, had one where it was actually literally it was slippers that had wheels on the bottom that would put themselves away if you forgot to like you know uh, you know put them where they belong. They would actually motor back uh, and put themselves back by the front door. Uh, what about the go, suitcases <laughs> you can ride on? I saw some videos for yes.
4: But with suitcases you could ride on and actually drive. I, I rode on that. I wrote on that last year at the
3: at the show. What was they that like? Uh, well, I couldn't take it out of the booth, so couldn't really take it down the highway or anything. I said, "Sorry, I'm going." This is this is all I get. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I I, I I always laugh or I always chuckle because those are the ones where you say, you know what? I, gosh, I hope you haven't spent the family savings on this because, <laughs> oh, I'm not sure this is going to end well. And so it's it's uh it's provocative, it's remarkable, it's inter- it's innovative. It goes back to that inventor, you know, Gene. Or or, or yeah. spirit in me, uh, but it, it's always fun and curious and interesting and sometimes a little sad. When you say, "Goodness, I don't know that this is gonna," you know, that this was how you should have uh, uh, spent your life inheritance. But it's uh, it's that's it's <laughs> been a part of the presentation. But that's so, and, and and as a part of that, you get to to learn about blockchain and artificial intelligence and 5G and all of these great technologies, all these enabling things that it really will transform. Uh, our lives professionally and transform our lives personally. And it's really just, uh, and so somebody asked me the other day, said, so, okay, you know, what are some of your favorites? What are you, some of my favorite technologies? And I do need to share. Uh, I, I, I've i got what I think is the ultimate gadget. Um, I got my hands on it about three weeks ago now. I'm enjoying every moment of it. I just uh, took delivery on the Tesla Model 3. And nice. so I, I look at it, and I say, oh my gosh, it's like an iPad with four wheels. This is the coolest thing. And so I'm having a grand old time. Uh, but but just again, a perfect example of when the technology all comes together, it can be a real kick in the pants, but it also can really transform what we do, how we do it.
1: So, all right. I'm, I'm, so That's what, awesome. So, without again, without tipping your hand too much, what can we expect to see roughly going forward in two thousand nineteen? I mean, one thing I know I see, and I'm, I'm wondering what your take is on this, is wearables in healthcare.
3: Uh, yeah, the wearables will continue to evolve with that healthcare component, you know, Apple with the, the, uh, the watch, the Apple watch is still by far and away the market leader. Uh, in that regard, saw some announcements uh, that the, the, the newest version may even have like a UV uh, sunray you know, detection, you know, capabilities on it, larger screen, uh, more complications. Uh, the notion is that I think that, uh, you know, that that device will continue to evolve to be more meaningful and helpful.
1: Got it. And uh, and so what else? Again, I don't want you to spoil your presentation, but well, first of all, speaking of that, where can people find you giving the Inspector Gadget presentation in the upcoming months?
3: You know, I am at uh, courses and conferences throughout the, you know, throughout the year. I speak for a lot of accounting-oriented conferences, but as well as some non-accounting-oriented conferences. And I would say that if you're just, uh, if you're tracking me, following me on Twitter, I try to make noise about not only products that I'm looking at, that I'm uh, that I'm intrigued by or finding, uh, you know, some, some potential with, uh, but also trying to make sure I'm sharing, uh, you know, what's going on with me in upcoming uh, speaking engagements. Uh, I do a number of recorded uh, podcasts uh, through cal cpa education foundation you'll find me there Uh, so i really do i probably do inspector gadget between 25 and 30 times a year right now so it it gets a fair amount of traction
4: great and what's your twitter handle my twitter handle is at dc slack so it's at d c i
3: e s l a k
1: Great. And of course, people listening, if you need more information about any particular episode, you can actually message us through the Voice America page where this podcast is produced uh, and you can reach out with any questions. So if you need to get reminded about where you can find David and where he might be speaking, let me know and I will get the information and pass it along to you. David, I really appreciate your coming out here and spending time with us today. It always goes by so fast. I feel like I, I need another hour with you just to I want to
2: catch this. I want to catch the Inspector Gadget show. That's what I want to see.
1: we Yeah, no, we definitely will. I'm going to follow up with you, David, to find out where and when you're going to be doing it next. And Eric and I will definitely come because I used to just say, hey, go to this leader conference. Unfortunately,
4: that is no longer yeah. uh, an option. So. And I yeah. want
2: to ride in your Tesla. Cause uh, I,
4: yeah, I'm I, happy to give you a lift.
2: I, I love it. I really want to see how drafts. those Model 3s are. Those are oh, it's so fun.
4: so fun. And David, will we ever see a QuickBooks Connect? Uh,
3: you know what? I've, I, uh, I've attended a number of times. It, uh, some of it just has to do with scheduling. So because I do so much course and conference work, um, sometimes it's hard to get it all to fit uh, into the calendar. And so, uh, again, sometimes yes, uh, other times just not able to uh, you know, pull it off.
1: Got it. Well, looking forward to seeing you. Like I said, we'll definitely follow up, find out where you're going to be. And I'll let all my listeners and audience know where they can catch you doing inspector gadget next. Thank you so much.
2: Thank Thank you, you, David. Uh And for everybody out there, uh, you know, don't forget to look us up on voice America. Um, We also have our, our, our Facebook group where the conversation is continuing over there on Facebook. That is the authentic accountant podcast uh, group on Facebook. So Check us out.
1: That's right. And don't forget to subscribe. We are now officially on iTunes and Google Play and Stitcher and a whole bunch of others. So subscribe, share us, tell the whole world about the Authentic Accountant Podcast. Thank you.
0: Thank you for tuning in. New episodes of the Authentic Accountant Podcast are heard every week on the Voice America Business Channel and on your favorite podcast site. Please join Seth David and Erica Ed again soon for another edition and another complete story of success. The Authentic Accountant is sponsored by Intuit. Intuit helps you leverage the latest technologies and works with you to create tomorrow's future innovations for your firm. Visit quickbooks.intuit.com.